0: Hey, you're listening to Chew on That, and here's what we're chewing on today.
1: And on it goes, on it goes. Come around here in a few weeks, and kids go into summer camp. You'll see men just like you. Well, not this age of men, but men. Shedding a tear because their youngster gets, their little guy gets on a bus and takes off. Goodbye. Our choir tours. Goodbye goodbye then there comes weddings like you saw a little demonstration here and at a wedding and i've had so many of them that i'm up here and looking down there and here's these handsome people and they're getting married and everybody's happy and all the flowers and all the lights and looking down in the front couple of rows there's people crying it's goodbye life is is jammed with that whole thing goodbye
0: Hi, welcome to Shoe on That. My name is Scott Eastman. I'm the downtown pastor for Life Church in Green Bay. And you're joining us for a podcast where we dig deeper and look into the details of the most recent sermon happening at Life Church in Green Bay. And this week, actually, it's um, it's like Throwback Tuesday, Wednesday. Today's actually Wednesday. I think it comes out on Wednesdays. So let's call it Throwback <laughs> Wednesdays. Anyway, we're going to listen to. Um, Uh, Pastor Fulton Buntaine, who uh, for a long time was the pastor at Life Center uh, out in the Seattle area, and that's actually where our friend Pastor Sean Hennessy and Pastor Sonny Hennessy sort of like came into their own as far as ministry goes. And so Sean will often refer to Fulton as his pastor, and there's Fulton Buntaine quotes all over the church, and I'm sure that. There's not three messages where he doesn't at least mention Fulton once. So anyway, so we're going to listen to Fulton's message on goodbyes. It's really fascinating. But joining me today is my friend, Pastor Becky Alcantar. Say hi, Becky. Hello. It's so great to have you here today.
2: Thank you. I'm so glad to be here.
0: I know I don't need to do a lot of introductions with Becky because a lot of you know uh, her. And if you don't, you're missing out. Uh, But Becky, besides... um, doing a thousand things here at church. He's also the founder and the author mm-hmm. of uh, journey to wholeness here uh, at Life Church and now growing nationwide. And so big, I just thought it's the perfect time of year to talk about Journey to wholeness because so much is going to happen in these next, this next week or so. Yes. That's going to remind us of just how fragile we are as people Absolutely. and how it's worth looking at that fragility. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. In this next week, we have the holidays, and that alone can give us an opportunity to really notice where there are places in our life that are still getting triggered, things that are getting rubbed wrong, places where we're not really content or we're having trouble with our relationships. Excuse me. And...
0: That's totally okay. So like, I, I totally like, because I know that I'm going to be around family, you know, and not that like I, I love my family. They're great people, but they're I, like you had mentioned, like there's triggers there for me. There's going to be triggers around new year's for me. Mm-hmm. And there's gonna be a lot of things. And so having gone through a journey a time or two, like I, I know what i I know what I'm dealing with. And sometimes we we go through these triggering events or things that we know are making us mad or sad or whatever. And we don't know why. So we just, we just, I don't know, write it off to being stupid or not being drunk enough when in fact there's things there that we need to evaluate.
2: Absolutely. We can't dismiss those things. And really the end of the year is the time where we really get reflective anyway, right? You just yeah. play what's old, I, old, I, old,
0: old sign.
2: Thank you. I, I don't know what that I means. I think we all say it wrong. Yeah. It's no,
0: not old <laughs> lane sign.
2: And you hear that song and it immediately makes you reflect on the year before and what you want to do in, in the upcoming year. So this is a perfect time to really start to pay attention to those things rather than, like you said, brush them off or try to forget them. Really spend time in trying to remember and trying to keep track of those things so that you have... All of the information that you need to really start to dig into and resolve those things. And I think that's what all of us want to do in our resolutions. We want things to be resolved in our life so that we can move forward in the direction that we want to head. And so rather than looking at this time as, oh, no, we're going to have to get through this time. How about we get more... um, Observance of really what's going on so that we have the information that we can start addressing and working through uh, in the days to come.
0: Yeah, I love that. So if people find themselves in a place where they feel like they're dealing with the same old feelings again and again and again uh, through this holiday season, what ways uh, can they uh, take advantage of the Journey to Wholeness program?
2: Yes, if you're in the Green Bay area, we do have groups starting in January that you can sign up for at uh, j2wholeness.org, the letter J, the number two, wholeness.org. There's also an online... Version that is now available that you can uh, participate in. Uh, And then we also have intensives going on now around the country. Um, You can request an intensive, and all of that is right on the website where you can look at all the different options available. But never before have we had this many options available to individuals to really start doing the interior work uh, to have exterior results.
0: Yeah, I love that because I mean, you talk about intensives, and sometimes that's just like a one on one intensive, but sometimes Mm -hmm. that's like a group, right? Like a work group or a church group. or Absolutely. you know anything that says as a group, I think we would benefit from going through this. And if you want to know what those benefits are, just reach out to Becky. Yes, uh, at any time, and she'll I'd tell you all to talk about to you. it. Yeah, you can also get um, bite-sized pieces of the journey to Homeless by listening to the whole podcast, which is available on all your favorite podcast platforms: Apple, Spotify, Google, all the rest. And so those are like small segments mm-hmm. um, uh, that like. Take elements of journey and just talk about those for a little bit. Absolutely, and it's a really effective way. So mm-hmm. look for that anyway. But on this podcast,
1: yes, uh, we're
0: going to talk about Fulton Montaigne's sermon on goodbyes. And so let's just jump in and listen to that first soundbite right now.
1: There's something about us that we we don't want things to change. Stay the way they are. I, I got my comfort zone here. Don't you know?
0: Talking about journey, I mean, talking about uh, <laughs> just we were talking about journey holes. But even before the show, we were talking about. Uh, one of my favorite movies and certainly my favorite Christmas movie It's Wonderful Life and like Fulton Montaigne sounds like a character he does it's like from It's Wonderful Life I don't know which one but he just sounds like he's like got the, the kind angel? of stretchy, is it the yeah, angel it's Clarence yeah <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Anyway, so he's talking about goodbyes and how goodbyes represent the change for us. And like mm-hmm. none of us like change. And mm-hmm. so that's why many of us hate goodbyes, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and I, just this year uh, was uh, difficult for me. I, I lost my dad this year. I didn't lose him. I know exactly where he is. Um, he, uh, but I was going to get into this big theological thing about where my dad is right now, but I don't think <laughs> we even enough time uh, to talk about that. But, um, you know, so uh, we... Uh, my dad left, and so there was just a lot there for me. There was a lot of goodbye there for me, and I'm dealing with it in 16 different ways. And I find that, um, you know, my dad asked to be uh, asked to be cremated, so we each um, got like a little part of dad
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, with us. But then we had like one extra bag of dad. I don't know if that's how I'm supposed to say it, but anyway, I had a little like one extra bag of dad. And so, like a couple of weeks ago, I took that little bag of dad and I went to the places um, that meant something to me for him. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he was a football coach for a lot of years, seventh, eighth grade football coach. And so, and I played for him. And so I went to the field where I remember doing up downs and nutcrackers and just getting the crap beat out of me by my dad. And so like I laid down on that grass on that surface and I poured out a little bit of dad right there. And yeah. then I went to some golf courses here in town that meant a lot to him and, you know, mm-hmm. laid down and poured out a little bit of dad. And so it helped me with my goodbyes, but there's still a change, right? There's still a, right. as I come into Christmas and I realize that my dad's not there mm-hmm. That there's still a change and I don't like it. Mm -hmm. You know?
2: Yeah, transitions are difficult. Uh, Changes are difficult. And we've been presented uh, as a society with several of them, but there are many of us who have lost loved ones this year that... um, We didn't anticipate, right? Uh, It's one thing when you know that your parents are aging and they've been sick or, you know, struggling and and there's a little bit of relief you feel uh, in the process. And so you can feel guilt about that because you're relieved, but you're happy for them. But like all the emotions come up, but then when it happens abruptly, like you did not expect it, then how do you handle that? Because... We still have life to live, and yet you have this bag full of emotions. And as a society, we're not really great about our grieving. As Americans we don't have the practices in place like other cultures do to really acknowledge it and spend time in it. Uh, Americans are get up and go, move forward, keep going, right? And so that can be detrimental to us in a lot of ways in that we haven't learned how to uh, take the steps through that process in a way that's healing and helpful to us and to the people around us. And then we find uh, that it comes up because it always does whatever we're experiencing, whether you stuff it or you actually take take it and look at it. At some point it's going to come up. And the question is, is it going to come up at a point where you've uh, determined that I'm going to set space for it? Or is it going to come up in a way that surprises you, embarrasses you at a, a time that's not opportune for you to actually address it and in a way that you did not plan or would not have wanted to happen? And so, um, We talk about in journey uh, that you know life's transitions and life's tragedies, and in both there are certain tools, there are certain ways to walk through that, uh, so that we can gain from it all of the wonderful things that we want to keep and remember, but also to let go and grieve and even lament, grieve and let go of the things that we need to let go of, but lament the things that maybe we never received that we had hoped for out of a relationship or out of a, an experience or out of a job or whatever that is that we're experiencing change through and so Because it's comfortable, even if it's not ideal, we can hold on to different things in our life because we're adverse to the change, to the challenge that's ahead when there is change and when we do have to say goodbye. And yet, if we would acquire the tools and understand the process, we could get to be like all-star, superstar grievers in that we know how to use that process to help us to get well again. And I think all of us need a little bit of that right now.
0: Because in the end that's all that change is, right? It's the death of something. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes it's literally the literally death of something. Literally the someone. death, right. <laughs> right. But sometimes it's the death of a relationship or a job mm-hmm. or you know, of an experience.
2: Mm-hmm. Or a hope or a dream right? or a plan. Mm-hmm.
0: Like my brother, every time we have um, a really good meal together. He'll always say how much he regrets that that's over. Right? Like mm. he like I, that was really good. I really enjoyed that. I'm sad that it's over. Aww. You know what I mean? So I guess maybe he's a good griever. But like I feel like in the things that we do, sometimes we we don't have the context. A meal is easy because I mean there's another right. meal coming. Right. <laughs> so but like I feel like that's kind of how we have to look at it that that you know like if even when we pour everything into something and that thing changes and in effect dies, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that's the end of everything.
2: Exactly. I think that's where we can feel like there's something drastic that happened there. And I think that's where our faith comes into play. You were saying, I know where my dad is. And so you have a hope, right? And that's what Jesus brought to us. He brought us a hope of this isn't the end, right? This isn't all there is that I have so much more for you. And so when we can look at our our individual experiences and not treat them as if, well, I put right how you said all I had into that. I have nothing left. But you do. Right. And maybe you need to be reminded of that or maybe you need some time to refuel and heal so that you can acquire the energy or the stamina or the resilience or the the hope meter again can rise that you know that you absolutely can do the same thing that you did before. Again, why? Because you have evidence that you did it before. And that wasn't all that was attributed to you, that there's a lot more life ahead. It might look different. uh, It might be challenging, but that's also part of the adventure and part of the excitement. Like, wow, like I get to figure this out. I know it wasn't easy, but if I enter into it with a hopeful attitude, right? An expectant attitude versus, oh no... You know, this is the worst thing ever. We have to change the direction of our thoughts and our attitude and our posture, so that we can do those things. Otherwise, you're becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. I can't do those things. I did them before. I have nothing left, and then we sit in the mire and the muck of that. And that's not what. That's not true. We have so much more inside of us. Um, just getting through this year has showed us that we have so much more inside of us than any of us ever realized.
0: I love that. I love what you said about, um, because you said it was something that I said, that's why I love it. I'm just kidding. That's not why. But you were t- we were talking about like how, even if we pour everything into it and it seems like this is over mm-hmm. that we get through that. Mm-hmm. And like, it reminds me of a meme I saw once where like you've overcome 100% of the things you thought were going to kill you or that you thought, was right. gonna, you know what I mean? Like, and it reminds me like Ty Cobb is a famous baseball player. Um, and, he has the highest batting average in the history of baseball hmm. and that batting average is is 36.6%. So he's the he was the best hitter in baseball and, and and got a hit like at best a little bit better than a third of the time. But yet we have been we have overcome one 100%, 100%, thousand percent, one hundred percent, one without batting a thousand. Sorry, I get my numbers mixed <laughs> up i am bad at the maths, so but like we're batting one hundred percent on the things that we thought would kill us, or mm-hmm. the things that we thought would tear us down or mm-hmm. the things that thought we thought would stop us mm-hmm. and so like. We should take that into account as we look at these changes, right? And say, okay, this is going to be a change. It's going to suck, you know, but it's going to suck for a second. Right. Let me embrace the suck. Right. You know, I don't know what celebrate the suck, but embrace the suck. Let me get through it. Yeah. Let
2: me walk through it rather than trying to avoid it. And ultimately the only way through is through.
0: Yeah. It's through. I love that.
1: I'm delighted to tell you this morning in this book, Jesus That's why he came, so that there's never a final goodbye. Never. In fact, he turned to his disciples in the 14th chapter of John, and you know it. Jesus said this, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, disciples, believe in me. I'm leaving. Things are going to change. But this is not a final goodbye we'll meet again in my father's house are many mansions i go to prepare a place for you that where i am there it is this is not over disciples this is not over this is the beginning
2: i love that jesus is the god of beginnings
0: Mm, yes
2: like his mercies are new each morning anytime i think it's done it's not and it just uh, it makes me giggle, really. <laughs> yeah. uh, because once you latch on to that knowledge and and just sit in it, anytime you encounter an end, you have to be anticipatory. You have to get on the edge of your seat because a beginning is being ushered in. Yeah. And so when we can start to look at ends as, well, then what's the beginning? I get excited. I sit up a little taller. I move to the edge of my seat. I want to see what God's going to do because I know he's done so many things before.
0: Like we should have like an expectant grief, right? Expectant Mm -hmm. despair. Like, yes, we're in a moment of despair, but it's an expectant despair knowing that, you know, joy comes in the morning. And that doesn't
2: discount what you're feeling right now. That doesn't mean you need to pretend like everything's okay and and jump to the joy. No, I... I believe in sitting in the grief. Jesus wept, and he showed us that it was okay to feel the things you're feeling because those. Emotions help us to process, help us to clear up, help our brains to determine what's going on here, and our hearts to to be healed from whatever's happened. Uh, so that's important. But in that, in that, I don't despair. I don't remain there because I know whenever there's an end, there's a beginning because He's the God of beginnings.
0: Yeah, I love that because you uh, you were just talked about how Jesus wept, and which in fact. Famously, or maybe not famously, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, right? That's the shortest verse in the Bible, right? Two words, Jesus wept. And for a long time, I always thought that that was... I guess not caring enough to look. I always thought that was had something to do with the garden of Gethsemane, mm-hmm. right? I feel like Gethsemane and sea anemone are like the same kind of word. Like I feel like I, I can never say them right. right? I feel oh, like, it, like I get, from the sea? Yeah. Oh. Like a sea anemone. Okay, maybe right? it has like, the same
2: root word. I don't know, I'm just
0: telling you, I can't say sea anemone nor Gethsemane. It must be a Latin word. Right, I can't say either of them Anyway, I thought that that's where Jesus wept, like that verse mm-hmm. was, but it's not. It's from the story of Lazarus, right? Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you know your Bible at all, even if it's just a Sunday school knowledge of the Bible, you know that Lazarus, well, that Jesus is one of like his best friends mm-hmm. and that Jesus eventually rose, raised, mm-hmm. brought Jesus. Nope. Nope. Brought, brought Lazarus yes. back from the dead.
2: I mean, Jesus did come right, back Right. Jesus. That yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. That too.
0: So, but it was in this act, right? So he, he gets you know, to Bethany, which is where I think Lazarus mm-hmm. and his sisters live, and it's too late. Lazarus is already dead, right? right? Jesus knows full well. Knows I would imagine, well. what he's about to do. Yep. What he's capable to do. And yet. And yet he cries. Yes. He takes a moment to sit in it. Mm-hmm. The loss of his friend. Mm-hmm. Like so many of us, don't, like you had said, so many of us, maybe even as Americans, but just even as humans, like we just want to race past it. We want right. to race through it. I got to get this hurts. Yeah. I want to make it stop hurting. Right. So I'm just going to try to get over.
2: I have seen experts at sucking up tears back into their eyeballs.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like we like we do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's a pride thing. Maybe it's like a, an aversion to feeling emotion, mm-hmm. right? Maybe, I don't know what it is, but Jesus quite clearly was like, I'm going to sit in I this for a full second. I think we see
2: that emotion as being a weakness. I think there's a big misconception about what crying means, right? And a lot of people translate that to a weakness or um, not having enough faith or not being strong enough. And that's not true at all. That actually allows us to release the stress and the the emotions and and the worries that we have and actually just the it's honoring what was right and um, there's a lot of ways that we try to do that. We try to hang on to the past or, or not move forward. Um, but emotions allow us to process that. It's, it's the right side of our brain that actually lets us process that so that um, we can, with our left side, actually start analyzing and coming up with a plan for the future. And so when we understand that our emotions are that uh, pressure release spell <laughs> to allow those things to be released, so, actually, then think about that. If you can sit and cry with someone, um, I, lo- I love the act of Shiva in which uh, we pause to acknowledge the losses that we've had, but we do that together, mm, right? Yeah. How that improves a relationship when you can pause with somebody in their grief and acknowledge that this hurts you and I see you in that. And I feel that with you because I acknowledge that the loss that you've experienced is great. Now, because we've done that, now I I have more confidence in you as a human being, right? Who cares about me, but also that... Acknowledgement because our emotions are external, right? You see them. They're asking for an acknowledgement of, hey, was this a horrible thing? Was this a hard thing? And when we get that acknowledgement, then our brain goes, okay, it's validated. Now I can move forward. And so when we do that for each other, now we actually help each other get to the point where we can move forward like we want to. But when we try to bypass that grief, when we try to bypass the emotion, it actually holds us back. Why? Cause it's going to come up. It's why we get triggered at holidays and different right. times. We're not done with our grief. We may have grief for a while, but then we bottled it up cause we had to get on with life. And uh, until it gets acknowledged, it's going to keep asking you to acknowledge it, right? It's going to keep coming up in triggers. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of reasons um, for survival in some sense as well, right? If we're going through World War II, we don't, you know, we had to work and do different things and and just bear with it. Um, we didn't have the luxury to sit in our grief. And yet we have that available to us. Jesus modeled it for us. And at some point we need to reestablish that if we want to be well, and if we um, want to move forward.
0: But we have to, and just like the other side of that same coin then, but we have to handle it that way. Like, cause I feel like there's some people that might, Sit too long in their grief, mm-hmm. or or inflate their grief, mm-hmm. right? For any number of reasons. One, mm-hmm. they don't have the tools to get out of it, or um, B, maybe they enjoy the attention that they get, mm-hmm.
2: or you've overwhelmed and flooded your body with all of the chemicals that come along with grief, that mm-hmm. now you're not able to pull yourself out of it, yeah. right? And so now it's become this. Yeah, where your body's just overwhelmed and so now I need help to get out of it. So there's a, a myriad of different reasons and here's the thing, we can't make assumptions about someone's grief or our own grief, right? Yeah. When we understand it better, then that helps us to know what the signs are and what direction we have to take and when we have to gauge it. I, you know, the general rule is the two weeks if you're two weeks in depression or two weeks in grief. Um, but really, there's no time frame. Why? Because, like we said, there's different things that you're going to be presented with. You haven't been through a Christmas yet. So that's going to bring you some uh, grief. You're going to go through a Father's Day. That's going to bring you something different. His birthday is going to come up. Um, and so, What's wonderful about God and how he created us is that he created us in many layers and those things come up as we're able to handle them and able to process them and able to get through them. Just because grief comes up again for you does not mean that you have not made any progress. It means you've made progress and you're ready to grieve this portion this piece of what you've lost um, or what you had hoped for. And so now I'm ready to enter into that. And so if we approach it in that way, instead of stuffing it down, what, do I, what am I doing? I'm accumulating that for another time. Because if you don't grieve this Christmas and take a moment to acknowledge, hey, I'm sad. Hey, I miss him. These are the things we did. And then uh, the best thing about Um, remembering someone is remembering all of the highlights, right? Laughter is the best medicine. Remembering stories about someone. Why would we hold that back? Why would we not talk about those things? Because they're healing to us. When we don't, we're just saving them up for another day. So it's no wonder then why at some point there is some trigger point where now you're overwhelmed because you've saved all that up because you didn't actually process it when it came up. You didn't acknowledge it. Now it's overwhelming you. Now it's becoming a physical thing where you're so overwhelmed by the chemical release of what's going on in your brain and body. Now you can't actually do that. Yeah, yeah, and you've left own. it
0: in your spiritual cask. Right. And it's fermented in there. Yes. And like, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. there's biological things in there and mm-hmm. there's like all this like crazy. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah,
1: this is boiling right? brew. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah know about that in your life. You have done that. And then there was a present that we had together. And I remember that. I got photo elms. I got mementos. I got all kinds of things to remind me of those present days. But those loved ones from the past that used to be in my present, where are they now? They are in my future. Hello. Grasp that thought and it will change your whole outlook of living and dying.
0: Before he left, uh, my dad knew that he was declining. I'm not exactly sure what took my dad. He had uh, dementia and I feel like besides just eating away at his mind, I feel like that also eats away to your body because you're your mind doesn't know how to take care of your body. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I feel like that's how that happened. But like when he was still clear in those moments, he would always talk about the scripture verse that says to be absent from the body means to be present from the Lord. And it was like a thing that he would like, I don't feel like that's actually the context Mm -hmm. of that verse, but it brought him in a reassurance. Like he was worried about dying because he wanted to make sure that as soon as he was dead, that he would get to be with Jesus Mm -hmm. and hopefully with a new body and a new mind. And so, but he would just talk about it all the time, mm-hmm. all the, and he would forget that he just talked about it. So he'd say it again, you know? And so it got me to thinking about like what that means. And I'm sure there's probably really super smart people that I could tell you theologically or scripturally what the Bible says about that. But as far as I'm concerned, I feel like, like as far as my, in our time, in our sense of time, dad's like, like he's he's nowhere right now. Mm. Like he's suspended. His spirit is suspended. Not purgatory, not I don't know. There's some other name for it. Not not any kind of weird place. He just doesn't even know. Mm. But as far as he's concerned, the minute he died or the second he died, right? His eyes opened in heaven. Mm-hmm. Even though in our time, cuz I feel like the Bible's clear that like I don't feel like people are in heaven right now. Mm. I don't think like heaven's populated right now. Mm I feel like they're still working on it, right? It's like Dave and Buster's on the other side of town. (laughs) Like people don't, you can't go there yet. They're creating a great space for us, right? Right. But like, I don't feel like anyone's in heaven right now. I feel like everyone's like in this state of suspension.
2: I've I've had several surgeries and uh, for me, time is... you experience time differently when they put you under Mm -hmm, for sure. And so for you, you waited for three hours while they were undergoing surgery on me. For me, it was a second later. I took a really great nap, (laughs) but it seemed like I just got wheeled in the room and I'm now sitting somewhere else. Yes. And I feel like it, it's the same, right? Um, God's not restricted by time. And so I think for our brains to go, well, what's the transition period and what's the, you know, transport rates and, you know, all of these things. I'm very much a sci-fi person too. So Mm -hmm. you can think about all these things and call it purgatory, call it whatever. And I don't need to worry about that. Right. And I think that's what your dad had was that assurance and confidence that I don't need to worry about what happens because I trust that I'm in His hands, yeah. And so, whatever that process might be, <laughs> I know that the next um, conscious moment I have will yes, be in His that's presence.
0: It. That's it. And so, I feel like when when uh, Pastor Montaigne talks about this idea that the people in our ha in our past, when we look at our photo albums, are actually the people that are in our future. Because, and I love that thought, if only because my past at this point in my life is 53 years, mm-hmm. which it seems like a really long time. Sometimes my knees feel like it's a really long time. <laughs> but like in the scope of heaven and yeah. eternity, it is nothing.
2: Not even a blink.
0: My forever with my dad and the other people that I love who are gone, mm-hmm. right? That, you know, if, if in fact they knew Jesus like I know Jesus, or Mm -hmm. knew Jesus like I believe they knew Jesus, Yeah, like my forever with them, that's forever. And this 53 years will be like, remember that one time a super really long time ago that we Mm -hmm. had 53 years on earth? That was funny. Yeah. right.
2: (laughs) We thought that was so long. Yeah, we we thought that was
0: so long. And look (laughs) at us now. Right, yeah. And so I feel like, sometimes when I think about people who doubt my faith, they'll see my faith as a construct to make myself feel good about the fact that I can see my ancestors again in heaven. Hmm. They'd be like, Oh, you just, y'all are just making this up so you can deal with death easier. And I Mm -hmm. feel like that's not, Mm -mm. that's not it at all. No, that, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to deal with the 53 years I have here or Mm -hmm. 63 or 73 or 83 or hopefully 93. Like I'm not trying to deal with that. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with my faith. Mm -hmm. No.
2: Yeah. I feel like I love the concept of time, like a wrinkle in time. Right. And, um, what that really means. And, it's interesting that we've, we're we a society that feels like we're short on time. We're running out of time. I don't have time, right? It's our greatest resource. And yet I think our perception of time is limited. Uh, I think we have a misperception of time really in that, um, yeah, these, these things that we talk about could bring us comfort or we can understand that... Uh, Every moment is a gift. And when we are present in those moments, there is no time. You know, when you have memories, or even think think of the days of the holidays or the Christmas you just experienced, and how time seems to stand still in certain moments. And the reason it seems to stand still is that you're actually present in it. I admit all the time that I'm a person, I describe my life like um, I go so fast and I see these billboards, like I see these billboards, I hear things, my kids say things to me, my husband says things to me, I read things, but it takes my brain uh, a little bit to catch up to what I saw because I'm moving so fast. And yet, in the times when we experience change, and I think that's why they feel so monumental to us, we actually pause and we are present. Think of a a major disaster. We used to say, where were you in 9-11, right? This is our generation. Now you say, where were you when the world shut down in
1: 2020,
2: right? All of us remember exactly what happened in the two, three days leading up to everything changing. And I think it's because we were just paying attention. (laughs) Something caught our attention. Change catches our attention. But what if we could pay attention and be present like that more. And I think that's what this year has taught us more than anything is that we really are, um, stirring up time in a way that is robbing ourselves. Yeah. And if we can actually, there's so many memes. I'm like, you know, being present in a moment, how that literally slows down time, so that because I believe that this life was meant to be fully lived and experienced and enjoyed and savored, and noticed. I mean, stop tonight and look at a sunset. My goodness. Yeah. Uh, did you see the Bethlehem star? <laughs> right. Like, there's just so many things that are all around us for us to enjoy. It would be a shame for us to miss it. Right. To just. Fast forward through life and change gives us the opportunity to pause and to reset our timeline, to reset how we spend our time and how we define time. Uh, so we get the most out of it. Yeah. And that's what I love about change.
0: Yeah, I agree. You, you mentioned memes. It just reminds me of a meme I saw most recently that said, do more things that make you forget your phone. Mm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because we're always looking for something else. Yeah. Like I famously look at my phone too much when I'm driving, famously, infamously, <laughs> look at my phone too much when I'm <laughs> driving famously. because I'm just bored of driving. Like I'm mm. just like, I've seen this now. Like, yeah. okay, I got what's on the road. What else is going on? Yeah. Like I want to know what else is happening. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's why we spend so much time on our phone. We're not present. Mm-hmm. We don't want to know what else is going on. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's why we look at our phones. Well, what's my friend over here doing? Or what are my friends on Instagram doing? Or what's, you know?
2: Yeah. And Instead I wanna be, of pursuing things right, yeah. that are Instagram worthy. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Have you accepted Christ as your personal savior? Do you have that inner conviction? You could be a good guy. You can go to church. You can even tithe, put money in. The arm, but are you enjoying what the gospel offers? What God offers? Are you enjoying it?
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And if, well, if you ask any other person just walking down the street, you know what would you enjoy about a, a Christian faith or a mm-hmm. closer walk with Jesus? They'd be like, nothing. Mm. All those rules, all yeah. those sanctimonious people, all the judgment, all that, nope, I wouldn't enjoy any of it. Yeah. I'll, I believe there's a God, but I'm gonna live my life until at the end and then I'll tell Jesus I'm sorry at the end. And yeah. so like, we're not enjoying the gospel. Like so many people are not enjoying the gospel because they feel like it's a, it's a repressive thing. They mm-hmm. feel like it's a... It's like a, it's restrictive, right? But when you truly hear the gospel, when you truly know the gospel, you know that it's a it's a liberating thing. It's not repressive mm-hmm. or r- restrictive. 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 Restrictive, yeah.
2: John ten ten, Jesus said, "I came that you might have life and have it abundantly." And so, if we think that uh, faith is oppressive and restrictive, and I think you said repressive. I'm not sure that's a word. <laughs> Maybe it's it is. Not a word? <laughs> it might be. Uh, you keep talking. I'll look it up. All right. I, I think we've got it wrong, right? And I, I do believe that we are human and have had things wrong. We thought it was helpful. In that time, and its we always talk about the pendulum swing, but the pendulum swung too far over. And can we get to a balance where we are seeing clearly what the gospel is? I mean, Jesus had to come to clear things up, right? In that time, he had to say, hey, this is what I came to do. This isn't what I came to do. This is what God the Father says. This isn't what... So he had to clear things up. Is it any wonder that you know, 2,000 years later, that we may have gotten some things wrong, uh, but that doesn't mean we can't get things right. That doesn't mean that we can't, again, he's the God of beginnings. And so every day his mercies are new. Every day we have a chance to get it right. Every day that your eyes open up, we can make the gospel more true, to his word than it was the day before.
0: Yeah, I love that. By the way, definition of repressive, okay. inhibiting or restraining the freedom of a person or group oh, of people.
2: That was a very accurate. It was
0: it almost, uh, is, like, exact. Was
1: appropriate. Yes. <laughs> anyway,
0: but I, I love that because I just, I feel like, you know, even the people that were waiting for Jesus to come, I just posted this. This is like the third meme we're talking about <laughs> today. Sorry. But I just posted something uh, for Christmas about uh, the true story of the nativity and how we should you know, try to disregard the fan fiction of the nativity. I feel like when we think of the nativity, we think of like a nativity scene, like we put on top of our televisions, like with all the kings and all yeah. the shepherds and the camel and the donkey and the angel with Gloria banner across her chest. Mm-hmm. And we think of this like really hyper... I don't know fictionalized yeah. version. Yeah. And so this picture I found is like, like a back alley, not like a, but like an old first century back alley, okay. right? <laughs> Mary's exhausted, yeah. right? Jesus in a basket. Yeah. Joseph's got his head in his hands, wondering what right. now. Right. You know what I mean? I feel like that's a much more, you know, literal, yeah, story. And so, anyway, and in in, so in there, I'm just talking about how this Messiah actually came. But if he didn't come, you were just talking about the gospel and what it means. And I feel like people were expecting a Messiah to come to overthrow the mm-hmm. repressors, right? They were coming to overthrow governments and yeah. coming to, and it's got nothing to do with the time that Jesus came. Jesus didn't come, you know, for first century, you know, Israel, right? Mm-hmm. Or even the first century Gentiles, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Jesus came for forever. Yeah. And that the, he wasn't saving by, you know, political or military might, Mm-hmm. He was saving by love and that's the good news of the gospel not yeah. that's what's setting the oppressed free or the prisoner free yeah. not you know, you know like actual handcuffs yeah. right not like or people that feel like they're being especially in America feel like they're being politically repressed mm-hmm. right that mm-hmm. that's he's not coming here for right this second right he's coming for all men because all men could be could be free in his love.
2: Yeah. He had such a greater and grander plan than yeah. we had imagined or wanted or thought we needed. Yeah. And I love that he came. He could have come any which way. He could have come like in a rolling ball of fire. Nice. He could have come down on clouds. He could have come as an 80-year-old man. He could have come as a soldier, but he came as a baby. Yeah. And if you think of times when we do slow down, when it feels like time does, there is no time is when you have a newborn baby.
0: Yeah, that's true. Or a puppy. Or a puppy. Sorry, we have a puppy at our house. Puppies (laughs) do not know time
2: (laughs) at all. And yet it also makes us, uh, awe and wonder. Yes. Breathe a little slower and spend a little more time paying attention to what it is we have. They came. Jesus was born in a time of chaos for Mary and Joseph, right? Things yeah. were flipped over. They're doing a census. Like, what's going on? The Roman Empire. You know, our rights and and our ability to worship had been restricted. You right. know, like just so many things, and yet they paused in that moment. Was it hard? Was it difficult? Yeah. But I know that the world melts away when you have that newborn baby. All the pain and all of the uncertainty and all, it like doesn't matter. I don't have a crib or a car seat to take my kid in. I don't even care right now. Like I'm just in awe and wonder of of life itself and, and creation and being able to be a part of it. And so <laughs> that alone Tells you his plan was different, right? He was coming to do so much more, but to give us so much more and to remind us that. The best thing we can do is to appreciate every single moment, not just every day, every single moment that we possibly can. How many opportunities do you take? Do you have to plan? But gosh, can it just be part of how we live and breathe and walk in a day to acknowledge every gift that's in it? Um, And then would life seem much more abundant. (laughs) Would it seem much more full if we weren't missing it? Because it's not any less. Yeah. We're just missing it.
0: I love that because I feel like as you were talking about like how we treat a newborn baby and how that you know what that does for us. Like I feel like that's my faith walk. That's my Jesus journey to treat every day like a newborn baby, Mm. right? Like just to be in awe of what's happening or what's possible, Mm -hmm. you know, like what could grow out of this or Mm -hmm. what promise there is in this or what hope there is Mm -hmm. in this. Like, what if we just treat it every morning that way?
2: Yeah. And before you decided that, like, how am I, how am I supposed to walk? How am I supposed to hold this spoon? How am I like, they think they can do anything and they can. And so can you. And so can I. And at some point we were convinced, convinced ourselves that someone else convinces that we weren't. And that's, still true we're still capable of everything that newborn baby was none of that got taken away from us the question is do you believe it
1: it's tough to say goodbye and you have had your goodbyes and you'll have some more and it will hurt hurt hurt, agony of that goodbye and it may be not the goodbye of dying it may be a divorce it may be a a goodbye of a situation that was so nice but then the thing fell apart and you know about that there's a lot of pain there jesus came to say end to goodbyes you can start over again wherever you're at in your life forgiveness comes and you start over again today is the first day of the rest of your life say amen to that
0: I feel like Fulton just like summed up everything that we talked about yeah, for the last four he's segments. He's so good. <laughs> and I really like the way he says, again, yes. which is probably how you should say it's it. It's his goes,
2: Canadian accent. Is that what it is? It is, yeah. Again.
0: again. I, thought, again. I thought Canadian accents were again. like, Oat. I'm going to go oot side. <laughs> anyway, but he's totally right. Like, I feel like, you know, truthfully, that is the summation of what we talked about. How... Who we are in our faith and who we are in Jesus allows us to not disregard goodbyes, Mm -hmm. but like... To deal with goodbyes appropriately. Mm -hmm. That like, I'm sure the disciples were sad when Jesus had to go, right? Right. They're looking up in the sky, right? Right. Because they get caught by the angels. Like, what are you guys even looking at right now? (laughs) Go down to Nazareth. Doesn't he tell them or something like that? They're like, go or Mm -hmm. I don't know. He tells them to go. He tells them to go. (laughs) Right. So go, like get started now. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like he would have clapped at them. Like, I feel like when I'm really Mm -hmm. mad, I like clap at (laughs) everything. So I feel like I I want my angel to have done that. (laughs) Go now. Like I feel like that's what the angel did. I don't know. It's not in the Bible, at least not in the other translations mm. I've saw.
2: I think that's the point though, that we're not supposed to remain like, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to acknowledge. It's okay to lament. It's, it's okay. We have whole books in the Bible about it. Go to Job, go to Lamentations, right? Go, right. right? It's that important. Jesus wept. It's that important, but we were never meant to stay there. Yeah. Like he didn't create us to stay there. I came that you might have life and life in abundance. And so, I think that's what the angels are saying, right? Like, yeah, like he's not here. Did you forget everything that he said? And that's our, that's the dilemma we all have to face. Like when we're faced with difficulty, when we're faced with change, when we have to say goodbye. We can get so caught up in that that we forget about the good news, that we forget that this actually means there's a beginning. The se- a change of a season means something new and something fresh. And when we have a hope in a God who wants good for us and intends good for us, then we can walk into that. We can be confident in that. It's when we question, right? Right whether or not there is a God and whether or not he is good that we struggle and, and we can stay in that place. And so
0: I feel like for too sorry, I'm usually let you finish. Your no, time. go ahead. I feel like for too many people of faith, too many people that call themselves Christians, or I say that in such a mean way that are consider themselves Christians, right? For too many of us, when we think of the word gospel, we think of the four books of the Bible. Mm. And we think of a path for the unsaved to be saved. Mm. And that's, that's, that encompasses everything about the gospel. Mm -hmm. But like a, like a wedding, the gospel isn't isn't a one-time event. No, right. It's an introduction. It's a start. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the first square in the Monopoly game. It's you know like where you spin to see who goes first. Like that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. So the the good news of the gospel doesn't end, start and begin on that square. It's like the whole game. Yeah. It's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so like if you're living your life, if you're living your Jesus journey in such a way that the gospel doesn't mean that it's good news for you today, then you you're misreading the gospel. You're being mistaught the gospel. You're misexperiencing the gospel because it's good news every day.
2: Yeah, we we you're totally right. There's somewhere where we got off track. I was just thinking of when you're saying uh I drive this way all the time so I get bored with it. And yeah. I think um, we walk this walk, and we get bored with it. There's songs written uh I think that we used to sing in church. I remember the day that I was first saved, mm. but you are saved every, every single day, day yo. <laughs> and when did we lose the wonder and awe yeah, and so I think we love Christmas because it brings us back to that wonder and awe and that slowing down and that taking a breath and that seeing each other in th- in <laughs> In the present, right? Not for what you were or what you could be, but who we are today. And that can be hard for some people, right? The holidays are hard uh, for a lot of people, but it's because there are some things that need to seen, some things that need to be addressed. But when we do those things, when we go through the morning, when we go through the grief, when we go through the change, his mercies are new and he wants abundant life for us. And that same feeling of salvation we had when we started out and the hope and the anticipation that we had is for us every single day. And I think that's why I love goodbyes. Yeah. If there's a goodbye coming, then I know that something new is coming. And that is where I live in. That is where I breathe in. That's where I abide in because I have confidence in the God who wants good for us and who doesn't leave us and is always with us and is uh, has always had a plan for us. And that's where I can rest, but also be really excited because uh, what you're going to do next, God? It's what I say a lot. What you're going to do next,
0: yeah, God? I dig that. I feel like I to close, I feel like I should be quoting, you know, people like Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but I just want to give you these lyrics from a Brian Adams song Mm. called Christmas time. So I would play it for you, but I got in trouble last time I played a song on a podcast because we didn't pay for the rights. Oh yeah. So I don't know if I can read lyrics, but I don't know. Come at me, bro. So, (laughs) The lyrics for Christmas time. We waited all through the year for the day to appear when we could be together in harmony. You know the time will come, peace on earth for everyone. We can live forever in a world where we are free. Let it shine for you and me. Here's the chorus There's something about Christmas time, something about Christmas time makes you wish it was Christmas every day. To see the joy in the children's eyes, the way that the old folks smile, says that Christmas will never go away. And so, like, what if I, which I would I swapped out Christmas for gospel, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what if, so, like, what if we could live Christmas every mm-hmm. day? Like, what if we were just, you know, people do this all the time. Because for me, when I think about what if it were Christmas every day, I think about when Scrooge wakes up in A Christmas yeah. Carol. You know, at Christmas morning, he's always been visited. Like, he's like, oh my gosh, I get this fresh yes. chance at life, and like, he calls down to the boy, right? He's like, yes. go get the biggest turkey and bring it over to Cratchit's. Every and day. I'll be like, what if we just did that every. Every day.
2: I mean, Christmas is Christ, is Jesus. Yes. So just put Jesus in there. Yep. And Jesus every day, all day. day. Come on.
0: Okay. I don't know what better we could say after that. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Chew on That. If you like this episode and want to share with people, we would love that. In fact, we would love it if you would subscribe. We'd love it if you could rate this podcast so that other people will find it as well. Um, there's other podca- podcasts that uh, Life Church does, including, as I mentioned earlier, the whole podcast. There's the pastor and a rabbi walk into a bar. There's cheery conversations. There's our sermon messages. There's uh, a sunny podcast, Bible devotion. Why don't we never know the name of that? A Sunny Look at the Bible. It's a Sunny Look at the Bible, right? There's a ton. There's a ton of podcasts, and they're all, one after another, great content to help you draw closer and to give the life-giving message of Jesus to you. And so thanks for joining us. We hope that you are having a great holiday season. Um, I can't wait to talk to you again.